Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 19, Mystery Babylon. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm happy you're here today. I'm Scott Mitchell, here with... Zena. And this is the show that tells you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. In particular, the satanic global elite, right? I know! Isn't it amazing how many things are in the Bible that people don't realize are there? Yes, like last week's episode when we were talking about the verses in Isaiah 24 blew my (laughs) mind. I'm like, no one talks about this in Bible study. It's amazing to think that the earth is going to shift and reel like a drunkard yeah. and flip upside down. Right. You know, and people are worried about saving the planet when, when God is saying, no, you don't need to save it. I'm yeah. about to destroy it. Right. right. So it's kind of an interesting thought. And we, we were talking about uh, and what we're doing this year, at least the first portion of the year, is we're trying to show people and sort of reveal or expose the satanic global elite mm-hmm. that nothing is happening by accident. Everything's happening by design. Yes. And they're behind it. God is ultimately behind that. They don't know that. They don't mm-hmm. believe it. He's allowing them to do this. But Satan is temporarily the god of this world, and he's using satanic elites to control the world to bring about a system that he can come down and take over. Yes. That's what he wants. He wants to be God, and he wants to be worshipped as God. So we are looking through things in the Bible that have happened in the past, nothing new under the sun. Yes. And we're seeing types of a global unified governance, and we saw that in Babel. Yes, we did. Under Nimrod. Mm-hmm. And we saw how God scattered the humanity abroad on the face of the earth, and that's what you were talking about in Isaiah, that he's going to scatter them again. I know. There are going to be more <laughs> languages than we know. And so we talked a lot about Nimrod and the cities that he built, including Babel and others, in the land of Shinar. And we saw some things about Shinar that aren't good. Yeah, like they were trying to build this tower so they can get close to um, the sons of God so that we can have more giants. There seems to be some pattern about that, that mankind, and it's it's in a more... Um, I guess you could say secretive or occultic way Mm -hmm. that humanity is trying to reach out to Satan and his angels to come back because in the day they were building a tower. Mm -hmm. Men are building a tower today, although I have my doubts about that super collider in CERN, Switzerland. I'm not sure if that's not trying to open a portal of some kind, (laughs) like a Stargate. I don't know, but uh, but today it's like they're using it's it, people call it the new age movement, or they're using it's it's a unifying a, a, an ecumenism 
ecumenical means gathering together mm-hmm. of all religions. And when you think about the distinction of the Christian, the Jew, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Taoist, the Hindu, how would they ever come together and agree to worship the same God? Yeah. Something's got to happen, something big that would cause them to unite mm-hmm. and throw away thousands of years of, of their history to say, no, here's the true God, and it's Lucifer. Mm-hmm. You know, Something very satanic. So that's that delusion that the world is being set, the stage is being set. So last week we closed with the idea that a central figure in all this is Mystery Babylon. And we're going to talk about that because as Babylon was a city in the past designed to rebel against God, so will there be a Mystery Babylon mm-hmm. in the future that will be a city to rebel against God. We're trying to figure out which city it is. (laughs) So we're going to see if we can expose what city it is today. So remember, last week we sort of closed with the idea of um, the mystery of iniquity. Yes. In 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote that the mystery of iniquity doth already work. So things that are working right now are setting the stage for the revealing of mystery Babylon. Mm -hmm. So she is considered the great whore of the Bible. She's likened unto a whore or a harlot. That's the word means the same thing. Harlot means whore. So she's a prostitute. And what a lot of people don't realize is that prostitution, they call it the oldest, uh, um, what it, uh, oldest industry, uh, <laughs> but it originated as priests and priestesses using sex to worship idols, gods. Really? It has always been that. It is all, when God says um, to Israel, you might go worship other gods, he says you would go a whoring after other gods. Okay, that makes sense. So when you think about all, all of the gods of the, of the, the false gods of the ancient cultures were fertility gods. And their cities, what we don't realize is they were rife with imagery of pornographic pictures and statues and things mm-hmm. to worship the gods. That was their obsession and focus of that. And so when you think about the like the pornographic industry, but not just that, music, Hollywood, culture, all of that, it, you know, they say sex sells. It's all an extension mm-hmm. of that attitude, bringing, desensitizing us to bring us back into acceptance of the pornographic worship of idols. So, like, when they have, like, sculpted out, like, the nude statues. Exactly. Okay. And, and m- many things, like I've told you before, that, uh, and, and there's a thing called an obelisk. And it, I think it originated in Egypt. But it's a long, tall tower, like a spire. Mm-hmm. And it's literally a phallic symbol to worship gods. And there's one, the Washington Monument is an obelisk. So, it's everywhere. It's pervasive in every culture. You know? Okay. And then, uh, you know, there were like idols of, of goddesses and they would have like many breasts, you know, there, I don't forget which names they were like Ishtar or maybe Shiva or something. Mm-hmm. And they all, and it's the idea of fertility, you know, like many children to nurse. So everything is, even though there's a sexual content to it, it's the worship of granting infertility. And what you're going to find out, the strangest thing and, and one of the most horrific things that the Bible ever talks about is when they got down to worshiping a God named Moloch. They literally sacrifice their children to this God and burn them alive to this God What? to grant them more fertility. So like, we'll give you our firstborn and we'll kill it so that you'll grant us more children. That's how twisted the world was. Wow. That is such a backwards way to think like, yes, let me give you my 
first baby yeah. so that you can give me more babies. No, you shouldn't be allowed to have any more babies. You just burned your kid. And 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 music in the worship of these gods was originated to and it was designed to drown out the screams of the babies so the parents wouldn't change their mind and continue to do the worship thing. So I tell you, it's a, and so wait until you see what is the modern equivalent and the future equivalent of worshiping Moloch. Oh my God, it's that's horrific. so sick. It's very sick. So we're going to talk about the mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, and for that we go to the book of Revelation. And you're just going to see how sick Satan is and the twisting of, the, of God's ways and his ordinances that he does. Yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> so remember there was an individual in the book of Revelation called the beast or Antichrist, and he mm-hmm. rises up out of the sea. And we saw that it was a seven-headed dragon with ten horns and ten crowns. Mm-hmm. So um, there's more to him than just that. We're going to find out that he has a female counterpoint, counterpart, which is a city. Oh, Yeah, it's a city. So verse 1 of Revelation 17, there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, come, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she's called the great whore. All we know is there's this whore, and the kings of the earth commit fornication with her. Verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. It's the same beast. It's the dragon. Oh, my goodness. Rising up out of the sea, and this time there's a woman riding him, okay, like, okay. On his, like a horse on his back. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So it's a picture of idolatry is what there is. Purple is an interesting color because in the ancient times, in in the Bible times, Mm -hmm. purple was the most expensive dye to extract because today we can make anything. Yeah. But back then, purple only came from a a mollusk, a snail, uh, and it was extracted from the snail and they had to dive to get it. And so all the labor that was involved to create enough of this to actually dye a garment meant that if you wore purple, you were rich, super rich. Whoa. Yeah. And scarlet wasn't easy either. either. So uh, so the idea is she's clothed in scarlet and, and purple means she's extremely wealthy, mm-hmm. decked with gold and precious stones. As you can just see, it's a picture of wealth. So whoever this woman is, she's rich. Yeah. Okay. And then she's got a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So we're going to find out she's a picture of all the false religion, all the idolatry, all the worship of Satan. Mm -hmm. Then verse 5 says, and upon her forehead was a name written. And it's written in all caps in a King James Bible. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So she's a mother. She's not just a, a woman by herself. She's a w- woman with daughters, harlots, prostitutes, whores. So I would venture to say that she's the mother of false religion and all the divisions of her are the harlots. Yeah. Everything that's against God has a woman over it, a, mm-hmm. a, a harlot, if you will, a, a woman of fornication. Because remember, all of these false 
worship of idols involved sexual practices of priests and priestesses that were prostitutes. Okay? Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And now we've got the first clue as to which city this might be. We're going to come back to it later. But she's drunken with the blood of the saints. That's our first clue. And the martyrs of Jesus. Now, you can say, well, saints of God have been killed in every city in the world. Yeah. But there's something particular here that's going to help us. Okay? So we'll come back to that. <laughs> now, we'll pick up in verse 7. The angel said unto me, wherefore didst thou marvel? He's wondering with great admiration. And the idea is, what is this? Yeah. What do I make of this? It's like if you suddenly saw a UFO, you'd be going... You know, <laughs> what in the world is that? Well, he's not seeing a UFO, but he's mm -hmm. seeing this vision and he doesn't know what to make of it. So the angel says, why do you marvel? I'll tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. So let's deal with the beast first, because it's important to understand a little bit about him to get the picture of her. Mm -hmm. The beast that thou sawest, verse 8, was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And perdition means destruction. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Mm -hmm. Now that's an interesting phrase. That repeated is. twice. He was and is not and yet is. It's very confusing and contradicting. Yeah, how is somebody... It, so it, the indication is they've been before, mm -hmm. then they were gone, and now they're back. So if that's any indication, maybe there's someone in the Bible in type that matches the beast. Yeah. There's plenty of types. We've got Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. We've got Pharaoh. We've seen other, and there are types of Satan too, the king of Tyrus, mm -hmm. remember? Um, but there's a particular individual that matches the type so perfectly they were, and they were not, and they will be again. Okay, so we'll find that shortly. Let's finish reading here. Here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Seven mountains. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, mountains and kingdoms kind of go together. So the idea is a, the king of the mountain, right? <laughs> So the mountains aren't necessarily some city where there's seven mountains that you could go geographically see. Oh, it's, it's you know, Olympia, Washington, or it's mm -hmm. Seattle or something, or, or Denver. It's not that. The seven mountains are, are references to kingdoms because the seven heads of the dragon, and he's giving these kingdoms away, right? And then the beast that was and is not, uh, even he is the eighth. So there's seven heads and there's an eighth, and is of the seven, so he comes out of them. And goeth into perdition or destruction. It's the second time the beast has been referred to as perdition. And we also saw that he ascended out of the bottomless pit. Now, remember, we know a little bit about the bottomless pit, right? Mm -hmm. That's where those fallen angels went after they sinned and took wives. Yeah. Okay. So this individual that goes into perdition is going to ascend out of the pit, indicating that he's there now. Because this is future. It hasn't come up yet. Mm -hmm. So when he ascends out of the pit, that's a future thing. So he's, he's the beast. He's the dragon. Seven heads, ten horns. The ten horns which thou sawest, verse 12, are ten kings. 
which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So that's the global elite. The satanic global elite are going to be 10 kings that will eventually all come to power and they'll be exposed. They'll be revealed for who they are. And they're going to give their power to, they're going to show that they worship Satan. They're going to give their power to the beast, right? And uh, these 10 kings shall make war with the lamb. The lamb is Christ, the lamb of God. Mm -hmm. And the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So the we've already read, like when we saw in Isaiah 24, about the high ones are going to be judged yeah. and punished. This is their judgment. They the, These 10 kings are the 10 horns. They're going to be judged. All the high ones that are underlings to them are going to be judged too. Mm -hmm. But the 10 kings are going to be prominent in these last days. And they give their power to the beast. Now, now we know something about the beast. He ascends out of the bottomless pit. Yeah. He was and is not and yet is, which is confusing. <laughs> yes. And he's called, uh, he goes into perdition or destruction. Now, there's a passage in the Bible about perdition. And we're going to come back and talk about him in just a moment. But those 10 kings end up turning against the woman. Verse 15 says, He said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So we think of like the sea of humanity. Mm -hmm. So the water is representing humanity. And the beast rises up out of humanity. He's going to come from among humans. Okay? And uh, the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast... These shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So the woman is a city, and she reigns over the kings of the earth. She's going to be destroyed by the ten kings. So the beast that's giving her the ride is using her for a purpose. He's going to use her to unite humanity to come together and the kings of the earth, as it were. Mm -hmm. And then once they all fall under her spell, okay, and submit to this city and acknowledge the city as the, the, the top city, uh -huh. then those ten kings are going to destroy her. And eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Oh my God, they're gruesome. And then give her, give their power to the beast. So he's like using her as a means to an end. Oh. So the, ultimately she's bad, but she's going to be betrayed by the one that gives her the power. Oh my goodness. It's like a soap opera. <laughs> it really is. So let's get back to the son of perdition. Okay, that term, the son of perdition, is a term in the Bible, and it's used in, um, well, back up to Revelation 17, 8. Uh, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's used in, perdition is used in reference to the beast, all right? Now, the apostle Paul talked about an individual called the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, almost the same passage we started with today. And it's verse 3. He said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of God's wrath, mm -hmm. the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
That's the Antichrist, the beast. So the beast is a man, uh, and he's the Antichrist until Satan's cast out of heaven, and then Satan occupies his body, and he's the beast. Okay. So he's a man first, and he's called the man of sin, the son of perdition. All right. So we know that he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. So it matches the beast of Revelation 17 and 13. Mm -hmm. So it's the same guy. So the Antichrist is the son of perdition. He's the man of sin. He's the beast. He's all those things. There's only one other person in the Bible that was ever called the son of perdition. Judas Iscariot. Why did I think it was someone else? Well, watch this. Now, what do you know about Judas? You know he betrayed Jesus, right? Yes. Okay. So he was one of the 12, though. That's right, because Jesus called him out. And he said, um, one of you, oh, God, what did he say? I'm not going to say because I don't want to quote it wrong. Well, that's amazing because you're, uh, you're trying to quote the verse I'm getting ready to read. So oh. like, we are so <laughs> simpatico. That's so funny. I'm blown away, you know. So it's in actually John chapter 17 and verse 12, Christ said, while I was with them in the world, in a way he is about to die. Mm -hmm. So he's given this prayer. While I was with the 12 in the world, he says, I kept them in thy name. He's praying to the father. Those that thou gavest me, I've kept and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So who's the only one that was lost of the 12? It's Judas Iscariot. And Christ called him the son of perdition. Mm -hmm. Now, in chapter 6 of John, the verse that you were getting ready to talk about is verse 70. John 6, verse 70. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Yes. That's what you were thinking That's of, what right? I was thinking of. And it clearly says in the next verse, he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him being one of the 12. So you got to think. Christ knew all along Judas would betray him. Mm -hmm. He's God and man. He still chose him and gave him power to perform miracles because the 12 performed miracles. They cast out devils. They healed the sick. You know, mm -hmm. they did all these things. So why would he do that? Well, he knew what he's doing because he's Christ. Mm -hmm. But he also knew he would betray him. So he knew that Judas would have to betray him because he needed somebody to bring him before Pilate so he would be crucified. Yes. Because that's the reason he came, to die for sins. But Judas was a man. And so when Judas betrayed him for money. For money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Greed. 30 pieces of silver was all they paid him to betray Jesus, right? Oh, my goodness. So he got 30 charms yep. from James Avery. That's what he got. <laughs> <laughs> and so 30 pieces of silver. And then he went and he killed himself after he did it. So, like, the man part of him felt regret. But he said, have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil. Okay? Not has a devil. Is a devil. Ooh, that's just, like, cutthroat. So an unclean spirit is in Judas, and he is that man. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so Judas kills himself, and so the 11 remaining disciples had to choose a replacement. So in Acts chapter 1, they pray to God and they say, God, please show us the man that you want to replace Judas. Because there had to be 12, because there's 12 tribes. Mm -hmm. So they cast forth their lots. 
And here's the prayer. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen. They singled out two guys to replace him. That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots. They cast the dice. Mm -hmm. And the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So Matthias is the 12th apostle, not Paul. Paul's the 13th apostle. But he's in a different category. He's the apostle of the Gentiles. Okay. These are the apostles of Israel. Okay. So Matthias was chosen. Judas, by transgression, fell from his position because he betrayed Christ. And then he killed himself that he might go to his own place. What's his own place? He died. Where did he go? Did he go to the bottomless pit? Yes. Judas is that devil that is the thing that's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit and be in the Antichrist. Oh, my Lantus. Isn't that wild? That is wild. You portray, no, not portray, you betray Jesus for, what was it, 30 pounds of silver? 30 pieces of 30 silver. 30 pieces of silver, silly boy. <laughs> and then you go to the bottomless pit, and now they're like, oh, no, 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 let's bring you back up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so at some point he ascends out of the bottomless pit where nasty things are. Keep him there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so that's how he was and is not and yet is, right? So if there's anything even close to reincarnation, that's it. But it's never a good thing. Right. There's no such thing as reincarnation, but it's that entity that was in Judas will be in the man of sin. Mm -hmm. That's why Judas is called the son of perdition. It's the same thing in the Antichrist. In that while. So God and so see, Antichrist, Christ means anointed. Lucifer is the anointed cherub. Mm -hmm. Anointed, Christ, cherub, you know. In other words, anointing, it means God selected you for a purpose. So even though the devil thinks he's doing it on his own, God anointed him for this purpose. Mm -hmm. Even though the Antichrist thinks he's doing it on his own, he's anointed for this purpose. He mm -hmm. is chosen by God. Same with all the fallen angels and everything else. They think they're doing their own will. The satanic global elite thinks yeah. they're doing their will. But they don't realize that God is allowing them to bring their own demise because he's given them an opportunity to turn if they would. But he's also going to use those ten kings to destroy Babylon. So back to Mystery Babylon, right? Now we know something about the beast that she's riding on. Yeah. Okay, and we know that it's the Antichrist. We know the thing that was in Judas is in that. Nothing new under the sun. That mm -hmm. which has been has been before. So the destruction of Babylon takes place in chapter 18 of Revelation. All we know so far is that the ten kings are going to hate her and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. I know. So <laughs> Which probably means something to do with they're going to kill a lot of people in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, eat, eat their flesh and burn them with fire. So John continues to write, and he says, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation or dwelling place of devils and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird, all references to demons and fallen angels. They're going to, basically, when they're cast out of, of heaven in the war, the coming war, Satan sets up his headquarters in Babylon. All his minions are there with him, the demons, the devils, and the, the fallen angels. It's going to become the habitation of every foul spirit. 
in the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Whoa. I don't want to be there. Which is why God says, come out of her, my people. We're going to read that in a few minutes, and it's another clue as to what city it is. So he says in verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Remember, it's a woman. Mm -hmm. The great harlot is the city. And the, um, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So who, whatever city this is becomes so rich that all the kings of the earth get rich from her or through her. That's the fornication. It's going to be a practice of worshiping idols and idolatry that makes everybody rich. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Yeah. The Ten Kings will lead it, and ultimately they're leading everybody to come worship the beast. So some kind of big religious practice is going on. Fornication. Mm -hmm. And it's some kind of idolatry that probably is using sexual practices like it did in the past. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins, Babylon, mm -hmm. have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Remember how God came down to see the city that the yes. children of men builded? Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. So she's going to be destroyed. God's going to use those ten kings to destroy her. Yeah. But it's interesting. He says, come out of her, my people. So the people of God in this time, mm -hmm. the future coming wrath, are, are Israel getting saved through Moses and Elijah and the preaching mm -hmm. of the 144,000. And they're in this city. It's Babylon. But it's mystery Babylon. So it's not actually the Babylon of old. Uh -huh. It's a mystery version of it. But they're in this city. And he's saying, come out of her. Mm -hmm. 
Well, where would the natural place be for the people of God if the focus is on in the seven years of tribulation, Moses and Elijah appear and do signs and wonders for three and a half years? And the 144,000 Jews preach to Israel for three and a half years. Where do they focus their attention? Don't tell me. <laughs> I know. It's, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Can I get like a hint? Like a, Starts with a J. Jerusalem. Bingo. Apostate Jerusalem is Mystery Babylon. Think, people think it's Rome and the Catholic Church, or they think it's New York and the financial center. or they think I know, it's when you said Hollywood. money, I was thinking, okay, what's that place in California where they have Google headquarters? Oh, yeah, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was like, it's, it's got to be that area. Well, you don't think of Jerusalem as a financial center. No, not it's, at all. It's not, really. It's not even the capital of Israel right now. No. Tel Aviv is the capital of Israel. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be. So when Satan and his minions and the satanic global elite expose themselves, come out and step out of the dark and the shadows, Jerusalem is going to be their city. They're going to set up their financial center there because that's God's city. Which makes sense because he wants to be just like he God. He wants to be like God. Such a follower. Now, is that just a, a supposition that I'm making and I'm, I'm drawing a conclusion? But, or is there more evidence to give us that? Let's see. Let's see if there's more evidence, okay? So, uh, Revelation 18, verse 9. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, mystery Babylon, shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. So she's a mighty city, you know. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. In other words, it's like everything's centralized here. Mm -hmm. all, the, all the transactions, all the merchandise. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls. I'm going to go through the list because this is important and fine linen, and purple, and silk, and scarlet, and all thyan wood, and all manner vessels of ivory, and all manner vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and ch it's like everything. It's I know. covering the gamut of all commerce, and horses and chariots, now watch this, and slaves and souls of men. She controls everything. I know. The slaves and the souls of men, because men are going to be in bondage at this time okay. because of this government that's coming. Socialism is really the, the, the path to this. You, you become a slave under socialism. And so the fruits uh, that, and, and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught or nothing. It's ended. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this city, this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, a sign of uh, uh, weeping, and cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich 
all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. So she's destroyed almost instantly and very quickly. And all the merchants of the earth cry over it. So somehow she controlled the entire financial sector of the world at this point. Yeah. And somehow she became the capital city of all commerce and trade. So how is that? Well, we pick up in verse 20. Now, that was all the merchants crying and weeping over her. God's perspective is a little different. It says in verse 20, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Mm-hmm. Vengeance on the apostles and prophets, meaning the apostles and prophets were killed by this city. Now, what apostles and prophets... Are they future apostles and prophets? Are they all the apostles and prophets? That's a good question. So who killed all the prophets? Who killed all the apostles? In what city were they killed? Verse 21, because God's going to avenge them. Mm-hmm. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, which is a big stone that used to grind wheat and stuff, mm-hmm. and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft ye be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. In other words, no enjoyment, no entertainment, no commerce, no trade. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived and in her, in the city, Mystery Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. So she's guilty of slaying the prophets, the apostles, and the saints. Okay? Now, there's been death of saints in many, many cities mm-hmm. over the centuries. But what city has the blood of the apostles and the prophets? For that, we go to Luke chapter 11. It's apostate Jerusalem. It's the Jerusalem that rejected Jesus that are also rejecting God in the future. So we go to chapter 11, verse 47. And Jesus Christ is fussing at the Pharisees, the leaders of Judaism in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Woe unto you, for you build the sepulchers of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed kill them, and ye build their sepulchers. Sepulchers are a tomb. Mm-hmm. So he says, you build the tombs of the very prophets that your fathers killed. You know, this is the hypocrisy. Oh, my goodness. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zecharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. This generation is not like the young people there. Mm -hmm. It's the generation of vipers. It's the seed of the serpent. It's the people that worship Satan. Yeah. So it's the satanic global elite. But here it's the Pharisees. They were the satanic global elite of their day. Mm-hmm. You know, and they rejected Jesus Christ. So he is excoriating them and he's letting them know that you are guilty of the blood of all the prophets and the, glo- and the blood of the apostles. Well, where did the Pharisees live and in what city did they kill these people? Jerusalem. 
I was just about to say that, but you beat me to Oh, sorry. Oh, it was a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I bet you there's plenty of people listening that did the same thing. Darn it. I was going to say that. <laughs> I wanted to hear Zena say it. So Matthew chapter 23 really brings it home for us. And we'll kind of start to wrap this up. Verse 29, same scenario. He's mm-hmm. excoriating the Pharisees. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, same as a sepulcher. And garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. <laughs> like, oh, if, if only we had been there, we wouldn't have killed them. <laughs> but he says, wherefore be ye witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. <laughs> Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Now watch, he says, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? He's calling them serpents and vipers for a reason, not just to insult them. What is Satan? He's a serpent. He's the serpent. These are his kids. They're not the, the Nephilim or anything. They're just men, but they're mm-hmm. men who, by association, have aligned themselves with Satan. Mm-hmm. So he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. And some of them you shall scourge in your cities, beat them with a whip. Ouch. And persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood from the righteous, uh, of that shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altars. He's repeating the same line there. Mm-hmm. Because what he's saying is all the righteous prophets, Abel was a prophet. The second person, or well, twins with Cain, but, uh, you know, born to Adam and Eve, the first children born to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And um, he must have, since he had the right sacrifice, he must have been trying to tell his brother to do the same thing. Right, and his brother didn't want to do that. so Satan used him to kill him, right? Because he thought he might have been the seed of the woman that would bruise his head. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out to be Jesus Christ. But here's what he says in verse 36. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, generation of vipers, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. He says, I gave you chance after chance after chance. I sent you prophet after prophet. Come back to me. I'll take you back if you'll just worship me. Mm Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't do it. Like, no, nah, we'll pass. They wanted Satan. They worshiped the serpent. He says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you that you shall not see me henceforth from now on, till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So who are these generation of vipers? They make up. They were the Pharisees. They were in the synagogue, the, the, the house of worship for the Jews. Uh-huh. Okay. We still have them today, but this I'm talking about the ancient. Okay. The Bible in the book of Revelation talks about a future group called the synagogue of Satan. It's the same people. Okay. So the synagogue of Satan is a group of people that claim to be Jews, but they're not. So they're like posers. They're posers. Okay. And they're aligned with Satan. So they're part of the satanic global elite. It would kind of make sense if Jerusalem is going to become the commercial center of the world, that great city, Mystery Babylon, false Jews are going to be working in Jerusalem. Obviously, yeah. Pretending to be Jewish, Mm -hmm. right? And pretend, but they're the synagogue of Satan. So Revelation chapter 2, 
verse 9 says, and it's written to people in that time, and he's particular cities talking about a church. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are, are the synagogue of Satan. So there's some group of people that's going to show up that is the synagogue of Satan. And it wasn't once, it was twice that he said that, also in Revelation chapter 3. Both, interestingly, are verse 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. And it's another church. Mm -hmm. So he's saying all the saints of tribulation, God, I love you, and you're putting up with the synagogue of Satan. They're, um, they're going to basically have to flee out of Jerusalem when he says, come out of her, come out of Babylon. Okay. Mystery Babylon. So whoever the synagogue of Satan is, they're going to somehow be tied to the satanic global elite. Mm -hmm. They're going to control the commerce and trade from Jerusalem. They might be the ten kings. So they might all claim to be they're, they're Jewish. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they will be, but they might claim to be. They could also be some other group of people. But whoever they are, they're powerful. They're kings. They're wealthy. Satan gave them their power. So just like the generation of vipers the calamity is going to come on them, right? So whoever they are, they're tied to the thing. Now, Revelation chapter 3, verse 9 was that passage, and Revelation 2, verse 9 was the one right before that. Nine is an interesting number in the Bible. It is. Numbers mean something. Nine is a number that's closely associated with the cult and Satan worship. Nine is very special to them. It's a magical number to them. Really? It's also an interesting number mathematically. When you multiply two numbers to get nine... Or, or when you multiply two numbers, nine and another number, the sum of that number, if you break out the two digits and add them up, it always equals nine. So two times nine is 18. One plus eight is nine. Three times nine is 27. Two plus seven is nine. Four times nine is 36. Three plus six is nine. It always adds up that way. It's the only number that does that. It's very odd. <laughs> It'll help you with math. Right? <laughs> help you balance your checkbook. There yeah. you go, guys. <laughs> so, but the number nine in the Bible represents judgment and finality. Like when man comes to the end, mm -hmm. the completeness of it, the end of man and his works. That's what's going to happen. The judgment of Babylon culminates in the wrath of God falling on the earth and God judges mankind. You know, so it's interesting that the... Uh, synagogue of Satan twice is mentioned in verse number nine. There's something satanic. There's something occult about them. Mm -hmm. I think they're part of the satanic global elite. And so to close, there's um, a very strange battle that's going to take place in the future, but it's prophesied in the book of Ezekiel. And I'm going to read about that because we're talking about if Mystery Babylon is Jerusalem in an apostate condition led by the synagogue of Satan, mm -hmm. satanic global elites. How did they get that way? Because yeah. right now, Jerusalem is not a financial center of anything. No. You know? But it was recently recognized to be the place where the United States would put their embassy in Israel. That's true. Trump. Signed, it, it's been on the books for years. No president would ever sign the declaration, the order. Trump is the only one that ever did. Now, I don't know what that means, but it's yeah. significant. It's recognizing officially a city that both Jews and Muslims lay claim to. And there's no temple in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The temple of God has not been built. There's a mosque on the side of it. 
So it's a holy city to Islam. It's a holy city to Judaism. And it's a holy city to Christians. Yeah. So you've got this divided thing going on. So how are we going to ever get to the point where Israel controls the city wholly again, Jerusalem becomes a financial center, and then at some point goes apostate because it's controlled by a satanic elite? That would be a monumental political change in the world. Right. Perhaps there's an answer in the book of Ezekiel. Let's see if that'll give us some clues, and maybe there's a whole other mystery involved. <laughs> I know. It's very like interesting. Ezekiel chapter 38. So it's a future battle that's going to take place, and I'll read it real quickly. Whoops, I went to the wrong chapter. And the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, I don't know exactly who these people are, and there's all kind of theories about who Gog is and things like that. Mm -hmm. Meshech and Tubal were sons of Japheth, one of the three sons of Noah. Mm-hmm. So they are the people that migrated sort of north into the Caucasus Mountains, hence the term Caucasian. Oh, The okay. Caucasus is where that group of people, they were Turkic people because it's the mountains of Turkey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Hittites and a lot of people ultimately became Germanic tribes and Nordic tribes and the Rus and whatever, you know, uh, French, Gauls, Irish, Gaelic, mm -hmm. everything. And, and the Romans and the, and the Greeks were also a, originally a Turkic people. So... Caucasian, I guess you'd say. And uh, so they're, they're a Caucasic people, whoever they are. And Gog and the land of Magog are in those mountains areas. So it's really Turkey is the region we're talking about. Okay. And uh, But is it Turkey that's going to do this? We don't know. See. So he says, prophesy against him. Gog is the king of Magog. All right. And he says, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. <laughs> and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now, that's not modern weaponry. No. But it's a future battle. Is it possible something's going to change where we're back to fighting with horses and swords? Sounds like Texas. Yeah. <laughs> then they're combined. He's the chief of this army, but Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the North Quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. It's a confederation of Gentile nations, all gathering together. And what are they going to fight? Be thou prepared and prepare thyself. Thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. And remember, he said, I'm going to put a hook in your jaw and draw you forth. It's God bringing them to do this. Mm -hmm. After many days, thou shalt be visited. In the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Israel doesn't dwell safely today. No. They're surrounded by enemies. And the Palestinians in Israel are constantly bombing the Jews and I know. Jews or whatever, you know, and they're oppressing the Palestinians and there's guards and there's checkpoints. And I mean, it's like, it's a police state <laughs> in many respects, you know, they don't dwell safely today. No. Is something going to happen so that they can? 
He says, thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, Gog and his armies, into Israel. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and many people with me. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. There's walls all over Israel today. <laughs> I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey. Spoil means it's like the booty of, of, of war. When you take the booty, like pirate booty, mm -hmm. you know, they, when they when Vikings would ravage a city and take the spoil, they okay. would take all the stuff the people had, all the goods, Aww. all the gold, the silver, the clothes, the animals, and the people. You know, they would take their children and their women and make them slaves. And so what happens is they come in to take a prey and to take a spoil. Well, you don't attack. I mean, what did somebody said? Uh, John Dillinger was asked, why do you rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't rob. You don't attack poor countries. No, there's nothing there. You attack where the money is. So there's going to be something that changes there. To take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. So something is going to change where Israel is rich and wealthy and then in the next chapter, and I'll read this for the last passage, chapter 39, verse 1. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee. So you're going to come and attack, but you ain't going to win. Yeah. I'm going to turn you back. Now, this is a sign that God is going to deal with Israel again, because he's not dealing with them right now. His face is turned from them, and he's waiting for them to make a confession. Mm -hmm. nationally. I'm not talking about individuals. Okay. okay. So he says, when this happens, I'm going to turn you back and only a sixth part of you is going to be left. Meaning one sixth of this entire army will survive God's protection of Israel mm -hmm. and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow like bow and arrow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee, from Persia and Ethiopia and the rest. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. So the buzzards are going to eat their flesh after they die in the Ooh. field. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog, the land from which he came, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. That one makes me wonder about America. Yeah. Are we them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and he's going to send a fire down upon us? Ooh. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know, heathen means Gentiles, shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken, and they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand staves and the spears. They shall burn them with fire seven years. So there's so many people that die in this battle. And what's left is their armor and their weapons. And Israel will be able to burn their weapons for fire for seven years. Now you think about seven. How long is the tribulation? Seven years. This starts the clock. When this battle takes place, 
the 70th week of Daniel, the seven years begins. And in the middle of it, Mystery Babylon is destroyed. So all of this is pointing to some events got to happen where God gathers Israel back into the land in a way where they acknowledge him and he acknowledges them. So that when this army attacks them because they're rich and safe and peace, is safety and peace, and they don't have walls or bars or anything, mm -hmm. they attack because they're like, that's a sitting duck. Look at all the money we could get. Right. All the gold and jewels. And they go in and they attack, and God drives them back, and they remain there for Jerusalem to become a center of commerce and trade in, in Israel so mm -hmm. that the satanic elite come in and take over, and the apostasy begins in Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Pretty wild. That is pretty wild. I would have never thought of that. So like I said, a lot of people think it's some other city because they think in terms of what's wealthy now. Yes. You know, in the past, it was like Rome in the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. But what about now? Well, it's New York. It's London. It's L.A. You know, same thing you and I were talking about. But nope. According to the scripture, it's got the blood of all the prophets. And the only city that matches that is Jerusalem. Yep. But in her apostate condition, when she's controlled by the vipers and the generation of serpents... And they're coming, and we're going to try to expose them. <laughs> yes, expose every single one of them. So now you've taken the red pill, and you kind of know that things that are happening in this world today are not happening because, oh, this accidental thing occurred. Mm -hmm. Everything that's happening is happening for a reason by the satanic global elite, and they're setting the stage for all of this. So tune in next week, and we will try to give some more insight. Yes, my mind is going... <laughs> Trying to absorb all of this information, I'm like, give me more, give me more. I have so many questions, but... It, it's a lot to absorb, so if you'll hang with us, we'll keep revealing as much as we can. We're hopeful to get more guests on that have some expertise in some of these areas. Mm -hmm. There's things about mind control that they're doing we're going to try to talk about. There's things about pedophilia, unfortunately. A lot of stuff that happened after World War II mm -hmm. with the CIA after the Nuremberg trials and Project Paperclip, and Ooh. scary stuff. So we're going to try to get into some of that too, Lord willing. Thanks for listening, folks. Of course. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. And then as always, leave a comment down below something new that you've learned, as well as something that you're interested in that we haven't talked about on the podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.